Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Gabe Ramirez. My BetMGM account is going crazy right now. Ever since the NCAA tournament, I've just been fortunate enough to be pulling off a few victories. Ah. Anthony Heron. On 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, and I got you on a, a double cheeseburger, the dollar kind. If you could tell me who sings that song. Ooh. You know what? I And it's not I her because that, the original singer of that song, that's not her right there. I'm going to take a guess, but it is it is legitimately a guess. I don't have much, if any, idea, but I'm going to throw a guess out there. And actually, the, the guess that's in my head right now is probably way older than whoever's performing this song. But like Natalie Imbruglia is the name that okay. pops into my head, but okay. I know that's not C- it. Come from the same kind of cloth, that kind of singer. Okay. Rebecca All Black. Right. Rebecca Who? Black. Oh, okay. It's like a one-hit wonder type of thing. Like, I've definitely heard, I, okay, that was going to be my follow-up question, because I've definitely heard that song before, yeah. and it's kind of the modern song that's associated with Friday. Now, in years past, when I've hosted on Friday evenings, I've gone, and I'm sure you're, you're of an age where you remember New Edition, and of you remember some of their early hits, and they had this song, I, I, if I remember correctly, I think the song was just called, like, School, and it, it came in with S-C-H-O-O-L. You got to go to school and beat that bell. And then each of them individually would say a day of the week. It was like Monday, Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The weekend is here. So that, hey. that's actually, that I've used that one for a Friday evening show before too because it is a celebration. It so is. anytime you're hearing somebody doing a song about the end of the week, about a Friday, it's to get people ready because now you can officially unwind. You're off the clock. I was explaining this. And it's funny because, you know, kids of similar age, my son's four years old. He was literally just asking me earlier today about Friday. And it was basically something along the lines of like what makes Friday significant? Because I think maybe either something was on the radio or something flashed across the TV about Friday and being the weekend. And I kind of broke it down for him. like, well, you know, you have the work weekend, the Monday through Friday, you know, your days of the week. But then for most people. The work week ends at the end of the work day on Friday, and then you're happy because now you get the weekend <laughs> off to celebrate. I was literally just talking to my guy about that this morning. Yeah, I think on Fridays, obviously, 
you every other day you're working, you got to go home and go to sleep because you got to get up the next day. <laughs> Friday, you're okay with it. But, you know, listen, 14 uh, years of B96, that's the useless information that you have, people that sing those kinds of songs. But we're not right, going to do that. Right. We're not talking about Rebecca Black today. <laughs> we are going to get into some White Sox conversations. Again, I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. And, and we got to jump right into the fact that you and I, on this very show, on this station, right around this time, we had a very interesting conversation about Dallas Keuchel. And I feel mm-hmm. like over the last couple of days, it's like the, the village people came out with the, with the damn fire and everything. And we're like, yo, that's it. I'm done. We cannot do this anymore. Are <laughs> out, man. They are ready. It's man, like they, they want some butts. Exactly. Like that new exactly. Maverick movie coming out here, man. I have, I have, what? The, the new one's just coming? Is it today? The new one's coming out? I don't know. The new Maverick, new Top Gun. But in the OG Top Gun, when the get dude's just like, I want some butts after the coffee <laughs> gets spilled on them, that is all of White Sox fandom right now wanting some butts because they do not want to see Dallas Keuchel pitch for this ball club again. And when he actually had that nice outing against New York, I hit you up on Twitter. Yeah. You know, you the Chicago game. I'm at Big Ed Heron. I hit you up on Twitter like, hey, I was telling you, man, they just got to be a little bit patient with Dallas Keuchel. It's not going to happen too quick. Now it's a it's a whole whole different story. Yeah, I guess when you when you're playing two of the better teams in the AL and the Red Sox, and it's just you're already on a short leash. So when you only go two innings and you give up six earned runs, two homers in there, two walks. I mean, he did have some strikeouts that got himself out of some some situations. But I mean, overall, when you see that, you just you you're, you don't want to see it anymore. And I think that's what everybody's frustration was as they were watching it. Yes, Dallas, you're a good guy. You got a good pedigree. Yes, you had a good game against the Yankees. And we know you can eat up some innings, you know, here and there, right? But I think if 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 people weren't so disappointed in the start of the Chicago White Sox, there probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be as much pressure on Dallas Keuchel. But the fact that right. every single area is struggling, I feel like then he, he gets amplified. You know what I mean? That you're just mm-hmm. you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, your ERA is over seven. I mean, geez, right? Like, and then so so the funny part though, Ant, is what he says afterwards because you know. Justin Steele the other day, when he gave up, when he had a really bad outing for the Cubs in their 20-5 loss against the Cincinnati Reds, he came out and he was like, listen, man, my stuff wasn't there. He sounded like a sad kid that got <laughs> like knew he was in trouble. He's like, mm. my bad, you know, I'm going to come back better. This is not – Keiko, quite the opposite. Here, I'm quoting him right now. He says, I'm in no way, shape, or form out of this thing. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster the first month and change in the second half of last year outside of a couple injuries. But if people want to write me off, that's okay. I've been written off before. But I'm a competitor. I'm an athlete. And we'll turn the tide. It's not the first time this uh, this back to back starts. Uh, this has happened. I can turn it. I can turn right back into our favor. I I guess is it dumb confidence in in that space? And do you feel like that's what it is, or is it just is it father time catching up with someone and them not realizing it because they still feel like they got that twenty eight twenty nine year old body and arm and they feel like they can just turn it on. But you know you know how it is when you get to your early thirties. You can't necessarily do the same things you could do and turn flip that switch the same way. His current performance is definitely not it's, – it's not earning the confidence that, that Dallas Keuchel still exudes while at the same time that's, that's how most people are able to compete at the highest of levels. You know, like and it's not like I was some Pro Bowl player in the league, but there, there is a certain level of confidence that you tend to possess when you're able to reach a, a, certain, a certain status of competition, a certain status in society, whatever the case may be. Is why I'm sitting here talking about, like, hey, I can, I can make top 12 on American Idol. And that's just singing. <laughs> right, right, that's not right, even right, talking about right. my athletic prowess. You know, I, I do think that a lot of individuals who play, you know, whether it's high-level collegiate sports, whether it's professional sports, it's just, you know, in any industry where, where you end up being viewed amongst the elite, and especially when you've accomplished 
at as high a level as Dallas Keuchel has accomplished at the professional level. And he came here to be that that John Lester type, if not the ace, one of the main pitching cogs as a starter in this next evolution of, of White Sox baseball. And it just it hasn't played out like that for him. And you add to that that he's got a manager who's really never seen him pitch well, at least not consistently in a Sox uniform. Between last season and this season, this has been the downfall of Dallas Keiko. So I think there's multiple forces working with that, but just sheerly from a confidence perspective. And when you don't have, I guess one thing for, by comparison to Michael Kopech, who we've been talking about in this town for so many years now, we're really enjoying seeing the way that he's flourishing. But Michael Kopech, Dylan Cease, those are guys with just elite physical traits for the position that they're taking part in. And so that confidence can, can sort of just come from sheer horsepower, just knowing that they can overpower an opponent when they want to. That's never been what Dallas Keuchel has been able to do physically. And so I think it even enhances, it ramps up the, the level of confidence, the level of focus, the, you know, the sort of, you know, let's call it sniper, you know, level mentality that, that a lot of guys would end up having to be able to bring that to the mound with them on a daily basis. So it doesn't surprise me that he's kind of surly, kind of prickly at the notion that maybe he's done or that he should step aside or that, you know, the Sox should be done with him or something along those lines. But I think in the end, the evidence is what it is. And, and right now, the tangible evidence indicates that Dallas Keuchel is not, cannot perhaps pitch at a high level anymore at this point. We did see a couple of glimpses of it earlier, but it's not enough for a guy to consistently be in your rotation when you're trying to compete for a championship, when you want to get back to that level. But the the confidence that he still displays, the way he describes himself, his process, what he believes he's still capable of, doesn't surprise me in the least. Uh, I mean, like right now, just going through that experience, which, you know, we had a chance, you know, gets, yeah, Blonde had a big day, so... Starting with Lopez, you know, we got by what, about four innings of one run, five innings of one run, and we missed a couple of chances to add some runs. But uh, at the end, you know, there's a couple of guys not available or emergency only to win a game, so we got away from us. So, no, that wasn't any fun. So, I don't think about that. That's, you know, what's next is for later, not now for me. Talk about the game. People make fun of Ozzy Guillen and how they can't understand him. I can, I, I've got like 20% of whatever the hell Tony's was just <laughs> I'm like, what, bro? At least, at least Ozzy, I'm Puerto Rican. At least I can kind of decipher and figure out. Right, I just feel like I'm talking right. to my Theo or something like that. But, but that right there was rough. Okay. But, but when I look at Dallas Keiko and Heron, I really, I really say to myself, you know, because listen, man, I, I, I want him to do well. You know, I'm a Sox fan. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been rooting for Dallas Keiko. I felt like he was a phenomenal addition, just from a from a veteran standpoint to this Chicago White Sox rotation. But you know, the argument can be made for for the other guys that have stepped up in his presence. And someone that I'll just speak to quickly is Vince Velasquez. You know, a lower ERA, kind of the same production in terms of you know how many runs he's given up. A few spot starts that have been pretty good. And, but but the number you're going to look at is the money, right? I mean, I know it's dead money right. that you're losing with, with Dallas Keuchel, but you know Vince Velasquez, you're paying four million for a guy that's doing that, and that's what you should expect, right? A guy that you bring in, pay him a little bit of money to eat up some innings, and, and you already know what to expect from him. But at Dallas Keuchel, you know where you're paying him thirteen million, you really need a little bit more for him. Like you mentioned, you want him to be that that anchor at the back end of that rotation, and it's just unfortunate that he hasn't been that. But where he's at right now, I, you know, you understand how much fan 
because 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 in baseball, like fandom can um, contribute to what could potentially happen to a player. Right. The GM's mm-hmm. hearing about it. The president of operations is hearing about it. The, fan, the people working in the building, we, we know what this is like when we talk about the Bears. And that pressure eventually does come down. So when it comes to Dallas Keiko, whereas maybe Tony La Russa is saying, hey, we're going to give him some more chances. I'm not worried about him. Maybe the people up above, I feel like, are starting to feel that pressure from their surrounding circles where that it eventually, don't you think, will just eventually lean on Tony to go ahead and get him out of there. And I, I think a lot of it will end up depending on on the health of the rest of the staff as well. That's something you True. and I talked about yep. the last time we were having the, the Dallas Keiko discussion was that they don't have a lot of other choice but to be patient with Dallas Keiko. Now, that clock is definitively ticking in a different way now than it was a couple of weeks ago. Like going to that initial Yankees series where you finally got what felt like, you know, certainly by Dallas Keiko of the last, you know, one and a half, well, one and a third ish seasons here, like a big time start for Keiko to go deep into a game on the road in New York against the Yankees. Okay. Now you can sort of extend that leash a little bit and the allowances you make for whether or not he's got a shot to turn this thing around. Now we've kind of seen him revert back to the guy he had been the bulk of, of this season and, and the majority of last season as well. But that being said, I, I do believe that because Lance Lynn is on his way back and just the relative health of the entire staff top to bottom is anticipated to be in a very different position in the coming weeks than, than what it's been for most of this year, that, it, you know, just – the other guys in that rotation are just going to push him out regardless of that. But until you get to that point and with the investment they've made in Dallas Keuchel and with what they want this team to be and when you're projecting ahead and, you know, throughout this whole offseason, there's a whole lot of projection to assuming postseason is there, assuming division title, assuming that there's going to be these big stages in the playoffs. Dallas Keuchel has operated on those stages before. So you give, you give a guy like that the additional rope to kind of figure out whether or not you definitively will move on. Because it, it, it just feels like it's beyond, especially with you know what feels like some of the, the public differences of opinion and what's going on with Keiko and whether or not the right amount of faith is being shown in him by Tony La Russa. Then feels like once he is out of the rotation, I'm not sure that there's a, an easy path for him back into it. I, just, I think they're giving him a whole lot of runway to figure this thing out. It's kind of like a few seasons ago, when we were talking about Tyler Chatwood with, with the Cubs, and he was the fifth starter at that point. Very different resume, of course, but it kind of did get to a point during the season where it was like Chatwood was the only complaint about the Cubs staff for a while. Like, all right, he's the fifth starter. Like, just cool it. You know, they're, they're going to be all right, <laughs> right with right, that. Right, right. So I, I do think at this point with Keiko, a lot of that is, of course, the expectations of the team, the resume coming in, and he just hasn't been anywhere near that. So once they get healthy, Lance Lynn's back, and for everybody around them, then there's, there's just nowhere for him to fit. So I think it's pretty easy once folks are healthy. Yeah, and, I mean, again, it makes a ton of people feel a certain type of way. So, And so, someone who, who, who it makes feel a, like a ridiculous type of way is my boy Shane Reardon, executive producer of Parkinson Spiegel. He tweeted this out is yesterday. what makes Shane feel weird. Okay, yeah, listen, right, listen to it. His, his tweet yesterday read, there's absolutely zero reason for Dallas Keiko to pitch another inning for the Chicago White Sox. And, and see, we're going to have him on next because there's something that him and I are going to announce, something new that we're going to be doing together. Whereas, you know, uh, I don't got to yes. be so cleaned up and buttoned up on the radio. I could, I mean, we could do a little, things a little differently. <laughs> so we're going to talk to Shane Reardon right after this. He's going to give us his uh, input on the upcoming Cup Sox series as well as make that big announcement as to what him and I are going to be doing for the Chicago White Sox. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. We'll do that next right here on 670 The Score. Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. I am so high right now on stuffed 
portobello mushrooms. Like mini bellas. Yeah. You get these mini bellas, yet for, for like four bucks, you're gonna core those out. Blue cheese, a little bit of cream cheese, maybe some bacon around it, and then just set that on the, bake it in your grill, in your smoker, when you're doing your other stuff, and you just pop these suckers off, put them right in your mouth, and it's like, it's, it's euphoric. It's orgasmic. Meat Hub is the website he's gonna be starting pretty soon. That's our very own Shane Reardon joining us right now. 670 score on Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. And I almost feel like you should be throwing us some questions. And then this is Shane and I for our first time being able to work together to maybe work, you know, answer a question or two, Shane. Yeah. First of all, Brian Callahan, that was a hit piece. You did not hear that live. Rick I am so high you. right now. Yeah. No, Rick Camp is sitting behind you. He tipped you off to that. That was a hit piece. I'm being I am up. so high right now. I'm not. On mushrooms, you just got to cut currently. out the portobello part, and then we can then we can use it at that. Not currently. Dot dot dot. Dot dot dot. We had like uh, one beer in the five o'clock hour, as we do on Parkinson's Beagle on Fridays. I got not high nor drunk. I walked in the studio today, and I was disappointed at Speegs and Parkins that there wasn't a bucket. Like I want to be at a club. I want a bucket yep. with like beers, right? One or two, right there. If I'm gonna do crosstalk, that's got to be the fee. Well, it's 2022, so we can't have shot girls anymore. So that's gone. Heard. You can't have that anymore because okay, it's objectified. Yeah. But uh, there's a fridge in my office. That's what he told me. Walk down there, and I'm like, dude, what kind of love do I get over here? They give me a producer <laughs> and, and not a walker downer to the fridger to get the beer. And then Shane walks in with a beer right now and doesn't bring me no, one. No, no, I didn't. Really? No, I didn't. Wow. I don't have a beer right now, Gabe. Man, that's what something. the hell, dude? That's I got right a coffee. <laughs> He's so dude, unprofessional. This is a sun kiss. Our relationship <laughs> is starting off on a high note. Shane and I do have some, some. I guess you could call it exciting news yeah, for, for White I'm Sox excited. fandom. Yeah, for us as well. Shane, go ahead, bro. I mean, is this breaking news? Like, is it breaking no, news on the score? Breaking. Brought to you by Beat the Feeder, State Podcast. Feeder did not put out an article, so it's not as breaking as we would like it to be. I soft launched it on Twitter the other night. Mitch sent out a company email. We are hosting a White Sox podcast for yeah. Odyssey twice a week. We don't know when it's starting. We could figure that out right now. But we've been told <laughs> we're hosting a White Sox podcast. We got a producer. We do. Shout out Tyler Butterball. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. We, uh, there will be a video component. You'll have to look at us. Shout out to Evan Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. It, so that's sure pretty much all happy. we know. Yeah, that's we it. both enjoy grooming. So looking at you is not the worst thing that yep. can happen. Shane exactly. constantly grooms his beard. Very Gabe handsome. always has a, a tight hairline going. So there's no issues there with I, either one I, of you. I'd say... We're the best looking podcast that's out there for the White Sox. The right best now. looking Odyssey White Sox podcast yeah, Odyssey White for sure. That yeah. airs twice a week. Exactly. Exactly. The, the I think the biggest thing right now, Rick Hahn will be episode one. Which is exciting. I have a one-on-one with Rick Hahn on Tuesday. Oh, we're recording boy. on Tuesday. And we're not doing a ton of baseball. Um, but the baseball portion that we do do together will be the opening episode to our podcast, Gabe, which is called What? Oh, my God. <laughs> I am so high right now. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. And that's a recording. Um, you might have preferred that name. And, <laughs> right. And we decided that the this, this podcast itself is called The Southsiders, mm, okay. which obviously, ooh, I heard, your, heard the grunt there, Ant. But I'll say this, right? Neither one of us, except I just found out that Shane lived in Pilsen for a year. Yeah, and then my building caught on fire. Wow. That was an insurance. That was an insurance deal. Right well, of course there. it was. The guy's in jail right now. <laughs> oh damn! The landlord is literally in jail. <laughs> but neither one of us live on the south side. But the, the podcast is called the Southsiders for the team, not the two guys hosting it. But I, what I suggested, and I know you're you're like an executive producer over there. You got an executive producer brain. I said we should put an asterisk on it so it just has a little, you know, flair. 
you know, so it's a little mm-hmm. asterisk, you know? What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, it, it is a, I know there's going to be a visual component. We are talking mainly audio from, from the podcast listenership, though, so I'm not sure that, you know, adding any, any additional flair to it uh, just to the You're not usually an idea killer, Ant. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just. Uh, it, it might need to be workshopped a yeah. little bit. Can we? Can we? Can we workshop? Can we? Do we? Have, do, well, do, we have time to workshop because we don't have a start date, right? So, so we know we're doing it. So we can, if we wanted yeah, to, push for a different name. No, but you can't have Rick Hahn out here like waiting on his interview for a month. No, no, no. no, 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 no. The interview with Rick is is locked in. That's... But then he's going to be tuned in to see how it sounded. I don't think he will. You don't think so? I'll send him the audio. He'll be he'll be <laughs> subscriber number one yeah. <laughs> on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you said you're barely going to talk baseball with him. I mean, it, this is just going to be like plugging Shane'sMeets.com well, or no, what? That's the thing. So the interview was scheduled for one of my other podcast ventures, Bourbon and a Buddy, which, mm. thanks to Odyssey, has also not launched yet. Um, <laughs> just got legal approval like two days ago. It's been hey, like but a, we're on the fast track with the South Four or five month process. Um, so it was scheduled through that, but I will use the White Sox portion of it for the South Side of the podcast. That. Yeah, I love that. I'm not selfish. So, so let's go ahead and, and have a, a quick conversation about when it should start again. Shane Reardon, Gabe Ramirez, myself, we're going to be hosting the Southsiders podcast. We have Anthony Heron here who's going to be finishing off the night together, him and I. But, Ant, you got to put some pressure on us and be like, all right, when, if, we're, if, we're doing, if you're doing that interview on Tuesday, should the following Sunday, should we do a, a, our own podcast that's Sunday so that that way we have the Han and then a Sunday so we're two in advance? Yeah, probably. I think that will likely be the structure. A recording on Sunday evening to recap the weekend and then a recording on Thursday or Friday to preview the weekend. So can we can we confidently say that the first one will be out this Monday then? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Gabe, we have no idea how they plan on distributing it. We, That's what we, we got we a producer have, for, bro. Ex- exactly. But We're I, getting paid the big bucks for this podcast. And we're getting, and do we have a producer? Because, but Tyler doesn't even know. Tyler's got no idea when but this thing sent, is starting. But he sent an email. He's, he's waiting on an email. <laughs> All right, following Monday, it's going to be fun. Like I don't mean to besmirch the the podcast already because we're going to have a great time. Don't listen to us and expect some kind of no. analytical breakdown of White Zero. Sox baseball. You're not going to get that. This is two diehard White Sox fans talking about the White Sox and talking to you. We'll have mailbag episodes. We'll have a, a voicemail. We'll do that. Your voice can be heard, but you're not going to get the expected weighted on-base average oh God, no. of Yasmani Grandal in August. <laughs> oh my God, That's no. not coming from this. No. The weighted runs created plus exactly. is not going to be a, a I don't feature. even know what that means, <laughs> I am so high right now. I'm not, Brian. <laughs> I just got done producing a four-hour show. When would I have the time? You, it's been I 20 mean, minutes since you got off the Since you got off the air. Come on, man. Uh, been real here. This is um, great. I, I, I think that's the best part about it, though, that you're going to get a lot of passion and emotion, right? Because if there's two people that are passionate and, and, and have zero problem wearing their emotions on their sleeve, it yeah. is Shane and I. Yeah. And especially when it comes to this team that we genuinely are diehard fans for. So it's gonna it's it's that kind of a thing. We're probably gonna be mirroring the emotions of a lot of the people that are listening. Yeah, I hope so. So folks are accustomed to hearing you guys then on the score where there's some different FCC sort of regulations, guidelines are a little bit different. So in podcast format, then is this just uncut? You know, maybe a little bit uncensored. Is Shane's gonna, be... gonna Shane's gonna learn ten Spanish curse words by the time we're done with this damn thing. <laughs> I like that. I promise you I that. Like yeah, that. I, I think we can be somewhat uncensored. I don't think we can break into like the George Carlin seven no. words. For, uh, but we can be somewhat uncensored. We, I, I, listen. Yeah, we can. We gotta be able to curse. Yeah, we can. Yeah, I'm cursing on this on the podcast. <laughs> I want to make this very clear. I want to make this yeah, very clear. Yeah, we can. It'll be no problem. Gosh, no darn it! I gotta look up those H E double high. Nah, hell yeah. nah. I'm 
saying whatever I want to say about this. So it should it should be it should be good. It should be exciting. I think it's going to be a different outlook on the Chicago White Sox. I feel Shane. We were talking earlier about Dallas Keiko, and we quoted your tweet from yesterday. Yeah, tweet did pretty well. Did do pretty well. People love your 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 brash honesty. Which, when you mix in a little bit of raw emotion, sure. talking about your dog or something like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, <or laughs> you balance it out. Yeah. yeah, you're like, "F you, I hate you, I'll kill your mother," and then yeah. you're like, "Oh, look at my dog, look he's how in the back." She was. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, Whoa. "Yeah, man, I hate Dallas Keuchel, and I hate this baseball team right now. <laughs> like, there is nothing to love about this baseball team, and there's nothing to love about Dallas Keuchel." What do you feel about the 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 like beginning of the wave of Hey, man, we're just not going to make the playoffs. Let's just go ahead. No, and no, no, no. no. Forty four games in. Absolutely not. There are 122 games left on the schedule. I am not considering that in the least bit. But it, y- you feel a little bit more nervous than you did prior because you go in with all these expectations of these giant bats and and maybe they should have acquired more pitching at the in the offseason, but the pitching has not been the problem. The fact that they're averaging just over three runs a game is the problem. Yeah, and you can point to specific people. Right, sure. It's a player's fault. Look at Yasmani Grandal, always always being on base, not necessarily doing. You look at Jose Abreu. I mean, guys that are just not reproducing what they did last year, right? And so you expect you say to yourself, okay, is that is that going to happen? And then you have to ask yourself those real questions: Is that going to happen, or am I going to be sitting here upset like I am about the Bears all season long and hating my team and having higher expectations than what reality you know says and is showing me? See, I feel like we we've spent a lot of time paying attention to the guys who Tony LaRusse has given too much love to, too right. many at bats to, too many appearances to. Does he hate Andrew Vaughn? No, like, I, I, I don't know why that he he's not more consistently. And obviously there was an injury there that kind of sidelined things for a minute. But as far as just the consistency or the lack thereof of the offense, the most the most non Tim Anderson consistency from a hitter's perspective has been Andrew Vaughn. I feel like he's not getting kind of boosted up in the way that it seems like Tony LaRusso might do with somebody who's a little more veteran or he had a a prior history with or something along those lines. And for an offense that's struggling like the Sox is, I don't know why Andrew Vaughn isn't like near the top of the order somewhere on a consistent basis until some other guys figure things out. Well, I think he will be now. I think he'll be in that two hole until Luis Robert comes back. And then maybe at that point you slide him down to the five if Juan Moncada's not hitting that well. But I think there's a big trust factor thing with Tony. Tony didn't know Andrew Vaughn that well. Tony knows, like, trusts the veterans, and that's why he loves Larry Garcia so much. And you've seen that he's kind of slid off of the Larry Garcia bandwagon, and he's still getting (laughs) far too many innings and far too many at-bats. But Andrew Vaughn in the two-hole the last few games has been a very nice surprise, and you hope that Saturday he's right back in there because he's absolutely crushing the ball. See, and that's I I disagree. I don't feel like he should be in the two-hole. Where do you think he should be right now with Luis Robert and Eloy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think you still got to build up the confidence of Yohan Makata. He's a guy that Mm -hmm. thrives off of that. So you got to – if you're going to be giving guys a a long rope right there, like leave Makata right there. And I think when – a perfect example, we just finished playing the the Boston Red Sox, Trevor Story, batting in like that six, seven, five, six, seven area and just dominating and no one's touching and no one wants to – Keep pressure off of him. Don't get him, you know, put him in a position to be like, hey, man, there's some guys on base. Get that base hit or get that home run if you need to. But don't put that pressure on him early on where Tim gets on base and now you got to have him do something and be meaningful. I, I just I feel like I feel like if he could be better suited at the back half of that lineup, just like a Trevor Story guy could be and be as productive as Trevor Story. And where you at on Dallas Keuchel? Oh, dude. I mean, I, I've been saying this to Gabe for a couple of weeks. I think the injuries to the pitching staff – 
almost sort of necessitated some level of patience. And that's even not considering the financial investment that was in there and, you know, just sort of waiting until some other guys kind of prove themselves. Like a lot of folks are really sort of pensive about Michael Kopech and what he could definitively be as a starter. And you're still figuring out, you know, whether or not Dylan Cease is, is a true ace level performer. So I think a lot of the other factors with the staff between health and inexperience just had the White Sox being extremely patient with Dallas Keuchel when it comes down to it, now that you're a couple of months into the season, at whatever point Lance Lynn is back, whether that's next week, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, whenever, you have sort of the full complement of starters. Johnny Cueto's pitched well. There's just not space for him in the lineup. So maybe you see another start or two from Keiko until everybody's kind of healthy and ready. But until then, you got to put somebody out there as your fifth guy. Yeah. I, uh, if you would like, you can join us. I'm talking about. Shane Reardon and I at Sueños Festival where we'll be burning Dallas Keuchel jerseys. <laughs> I know we're going to be this weekend. Hey, Shane, is that, why, Gabe, is that why I saw a Ferris wheel in my neighborhood? Absolutely. I was driving home the other night and I passed a Ferris wheel. It might have been on like yeah. Balboa or something like that. Why yeah. do I see a Ferris wheel here? Latinos like carnival rides, so we want to have all that stuff right there. Got but yeah, it's the, it's, it's the Lollapalooza. It's the Latin Lollapalooza. Sueños Festival happening at Grand Park this weekend. Is Bad Bunny there or no way? No, not this, not this oh, year. Oh, man. He's too big, dude. It's like, you know, it's like you, just, you want the Rolling it. Stones see, just to be, show up at Lollapalooza? My pro- I don't understand <laughs> any of the words. That's my problem. <laughs> hey, as, as a second generation Puerto Rican, sometimes I don't either. All right, Shane, thanks for hanging out with us today, man. Don't Thank forget the brand new podcast, the Southsiders most likely is going to be debuting, we think, potentially. <laughs> this, season. <laughs> this season. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you. All right, we are going to continue to talk about some White Sox, but also the other team across town, the Chicago Cubs, as, of course, Cubs and Sox have the Crosstown Classic this weekend. We're going to be talking to Mark Gonzalez, formerly the Chicago Tribune. He'll be joining us right after this. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is 670 The Score. Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Fly ball to shallow right. This is going to do it. Naquin makes the catch, and the Reds beat the Cubs by a score of 20-5. to Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron right here on 670 The Score. Joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, veteran Chicago baseball writer, and a good friend of the score, Mark Gonzalez. Mark, welcome to the show. On a scale from zero to the 2012 Chicago Cubs, how bad is how bad is this team that you're watching right now? Um, it's it's strange, very strange because there are a lot of moving parts. Uh, I think yesterday's game uh, it was bad, but you know the eighth inning it kind of got out of hand when they they pitched Simmons. So uh, I would say um, I still think I don't think they've reached rock bottom yet. I think the next eleven games will tell a lot, but. Um, they really haven't had a semblance of consistency, and I, and I say that in terms of their style of play. They had a good road trip San Diego and Arizona, but um, they still haven't been able to sustain it for a longer period. What are the Cubs exactly trying to accomplish this season? So the most succinct way I can kind of frame that question. I just think they're trying to hold their own, still trying to figure out who's a keeper, who's not. Um, who may need more time uh, in the minor leagues, who might be, be their best shortstop of the future, um, who's improved to the point where he still enters the picture in some form, uh, whether it be as a, as a part-time platoon guy or as a sheer uh, bench guy. There's, there's so many moving parts right now. It's uh, Every day has a different story, and it's something that 
gives you some some clarity in terms of how they're going to move forward. We're talking to Mark Gonzalez here, and, and speaking of a, a story that's ever-changing, this weekend will be one that has a few more eyes on it, Cubs versus the White Sox. What are what are some of the, the high points that you've seen over the last couple of years for this rivalry? I think it's been the emergence of the White Sox and, and, and making it very competitive. Uh, uh, I, mean, I just remember the series of Bray you had at Wrigley Field where he almost – carried him to three consecutive wins and Darvish beat, beat him the last game, but Darvish had trouble gave a bomber to him. But I just think that the White Sox have catched up and, and, and passed the Cubs in this rivalry uh, before it was, it was the Cubs, you know, dominating, you know, winning four to six, five, you know, five out of six and, and making a statement. Now it, the, the table's kind of turned, but uh, it would be a pretty good notch in the belt of the Cubs if they could at least split um, these two games. And in, really, on, on both sides of this, we saw where the, the White Sox were kind of in purgatory for a minute, and then they started to do their tear down to rebuild while the Cubs were, were sort of at their peak. And now we're seeing the inverse of that for a short period of time here. Wondering how, how long, where the, the White Sox have so much of their young talent locked in. It's hard to imagine the White Sox won't continue to compete here for seasons to come. How long until both clubs? And basically, I'm asking, how long are the Cubs in, in whatever – you know, form of rebuild this is. How long until both squads are going for it at the same time? You know, I, we hear so much about the White Sox and how they're equipped for the future. And when you see you guys, guys like you know Anderson and Eloy, Robert, Vaughn, yeah, they got some some big pieces for the future. But they also have a lot of veterans too. And I think you got to be careful. At some point, this roster is going to really turn. You look at a guy like Abreu, he's He's up there in age. Uh, the, the pitchers are, are getting up there as well. Um, you see some some veterans, you know, guys like Harrison uh, trying to hold a spot. Um, Ron Dahl, they're committed to him for two years. But this this roster's potentially could change quickly, and then you got to lean on your farm system or reinvest that money in free agents. So I, I'd, I'd be careful there. They got to win. They got to win these next two years. I'm convinced now they they got to do it because um, other than Cease and and, and uh, Kopech, um, they're going to need more young starting arms. Giolito certainly uh, could be a keeper, but they still got to figure out a way to sign him within the next two years. In the case of the Cubs, um, I, I still think this this uh, rebuild <laughs> is 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 going to. Uh, probably not crystallized until 2024. I, at, mm. at one point, I thought 23 was possible. I don't see it now. I just think that a lot of their big-ticket guys are at uh, Class A or lower, with the exception of Brennan Davis, who's at AAA. He's, got, he's a high-ceiling guy. But there's just so many guys that I think they, they target as a piece of their future that just aren't going to be ready yet. And to their credit, they're not going to rush them either. So uh, that's okay. But in the meantime... I mean, these guys on the roster are on the treadmill just trying to hold their own right now. It seems as though both teams can really learn from each other because you mentioned the future and the supposed window that the White Sox are in right now. But what are some lessons or a lesson that the White Sox can learn from the Chicago Cubs of three or four years ago? Uh, just be careful and, and make sure your farm system is, is, is producing players that are big league ready at some point because if you don't have – especially the pitching, you're going to be in a heap of trouble. And, and, and the Cubs have faced that 
uh, for the past two, three years. Uh, and we saw it all coming. Their drafts were, were largely ineffective, and, and it cost them. You know, you go out and having to spend money on Tyler Chatwoods. That, doesn't, that didn't work out. Uh, Brandon Morrow was terrific, but he, he, he was damaged goods in a sense that he was always injury prone. So you only got, you know, four or five months out of him. Um, it, it's costly. So I think the lesson to be learned is make sure you develop your, your, your homegrown talent, especially pitching, because it's so valuable these days. And, and to the Sox credit to this point, you know, they acquired a young Kopech. Uh, they acquired a young Giolito, and they acquired a young Cease, and those guys have a, a chance to be a very good threesome for, for a few more years to come. I don't know when the last time was that, uh, that Tyler Chatwood has gotten multiple mentions within the same hour <laughs> on this station, but it's probably been a couple of years. I was literally just talking about Tyler Chatwood a couple of segments ago as essentially how I feel like a, a spot that if if the White Sox starting pitching doesn't maintain health, now, I remember a few seasons ago, I was talking about Tyler Chatwood, where everyone was up in arms about the Cubs' fifth starter. I'm like, man, it's it's the fifth starter. We know this squad's making the postseason. So, yeah, you want consistency from Tyler Chatwood. But I was trying to tell folks here in town just to kind of cool it a little bit. Could you see Dallas Keuchel, you know, in, in this fifth starter capacity? If, you know, let's say Lance Lynn pulls another hamstring, whatever, could the White Sox continue to maintain a level of patience with him because he's just got to be the fifth starter if it comes down to it? I think right now um, they have to assess everything. You make a good point about Lance Lynn. Uh, first of all, they got to make sure he's ready. And then if he's not ready, okay, and you're not con- uh, convinced that Keiko's a long-term answer, and I think it's turning that way, who's your next choice? Can you put a kid like Davis who threw okay and KC? Is he up for the challenge? Or you go outside uh, saying goodbye to Keiko and try to get somebody else in? Because we're at that point after Memorial Day where teams start to have a pretty good idea, you know, at that 50 game mark, what they have, what they don't have, and then kind of sort things out from there as far as who they're willing to move, who they're not willing to move, uh, what's the market like, and then, and then you proceed forward. So, I think a lot of it's out of Keiko's hands right now. Um, but I do think he'll be around until a decision has to be made on Lynn. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Hare. We're joined by Mark Gonzalez, veteran Chicago baseball writer. And, you know, so many people, Mark, are saying, hey, man, it's early in the season. We can't really judge this White Sox team. But going into this cross-town classic against the Chicago Cubs, do you feel if the Sox don't sweep these this two-game series, are you still willing to say – that they have a clear path to the playoffs or winning the, the AL Central? Yeah, I do. And I say that because I think uh, July is going to be a very important month for them because they do get back into the chunk of play against their uh, division rivals. I believe they have 19 consecutive games against the likes of the Guardians, the Twins, and the Tigers. And that's going to be an important stretch because I think you start to take inventory. Okay, how did we fare? And then after that stretch of 19 games is over, you have a week before the trade deadline. I think you have a clear sense of, okay, wh- what do we need uh, to finish this thing off? Or what do we need to go deeper in the playoffs? It's kind of a, a two-tiered issue right now. But I think that there still is plenty of time. And I understand fans' concerns that this team hasn't played well consistently. The starting pitching has been okay, but you know the defense has been lacking. We almost saw another collision last night down the right field line. Uh, those things shouldn't be happening, but they are. 
And um, I think uh, it's up to them because after after the, the Cubs series, they got to go to Toronto and then Tampa Bay and then back and play the Dodgers. That's that's a pretty tough stretch right there. So I think they need to step it up. Uh, they've had some rough series against the Red Sox and Yankees at home. I think they need to defend their turf a little better too. How do you slice up the the blame pie for one of the things you referenced there between, you know, defensive <laughs> collisions, that. being out of position, errors that we've seen through stretches of the season, inconsistent approaches at the plate. What well, what where's your where your where does your percentage lie when we're talking about, you know, this manager, the, the Hall of Famer that gets so much discussion in this town versus whether or not the players, you know, should just be expected to be able to get themselves right. I don't think the players have ha- have uh absorbed enough blame quite frankly because there's only so much that coaches and a manager can tell these guys and and in the case of many of these guys uh they're veterans too we can all point to the three weeks of spring training and say that's not enough but really we've gotten 40 regular 45 regular season games in our belt i think that's plenty of time to say you know hey we should know better than what we're doing out there so I would I would put more blame on the players than what's being portrayed out there right now. Mark, before we let you go, you know I'm a huge Sox fan, and I feel like every time I hear an analyst come on, they they never say what I want them to say, which is the Sox are going to win the World Series, right? Like this, <laughs> like I always feel this way. So 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 I mean, what what's your take on how how far they can go? I mean. I know you said that you feel like they, you feel confident middle of the season. You know they're still going to be able to play the central and and create some sort of distance to get themselves in the playoffs. But you know you you've watched these teams, you've seen them play. You're, you're watching with with a really good eye. Are they championship worthy right now? No, they're not. They're not because the one thing that that lingers and what lingered last year was their defense or lack of. And you know it's one thing for the Cubs for for right field like Ortega to. Airmail was throwing this to cut off man that lead to a, a runner moving up in the eighth inning of a blowout game. You know, you don't expect those guys to, to contend for a, for a, a title. But in the case of the, the Sox, those things are glaring, and it makes a big difference, especially when uh, you're trying to cut down, what, a four-and-a-half game deficit and, and, and gain some ground, as well as is have a, have a good flow defensively where you don't have to worry about those things down the road. Um, the defense has been quite glaring right now. And, and then also, of course, the, the, the chase rate has been alarming, uh, just helping pitchers out. Um, I don't feel this offense has really put opponents on their heels yet. Now, part of it, you know, it's a big thing without Aloy right now, and maybe that'll get going. But there hasn't been any stability in the number two spot as well. That has to be addressed. Mark? Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We love your expertise, especially leading into this Cubs-White Sox Crosstown Classic this weekend. Thanks so much for hanging. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks, Gonzo. Veteran Chicago baseball writer Mark Gonzalez. Always a pleasure to have him on. 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. Talked a lot of, a lot of White Sox, a lot of Cubs baseball this hour. And now we get to switch over to the gridiron, talk a little bit of Chicago Bear football. That's something that Ant and I do often on our show, Bears Unleashed on Fox 32. Ant, Yesterday, I put together a list of top five Bears that should improve going into the upcoming season. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm just so interested to hear your top five and to see if it matches up with mine. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm guessing probably a couple of the names will end up being different, but got to make sure we support that with what our opinions are, why these guys end up making sense. I'm going to say this. I'm going to make it a point. My top five, no Justin Fields on that list. I feel like that's the Ooh. one that's the most glaring that's out there. I feel like that's almost the obvious one. I'm going to make sure that I'm highlighting five other guys other than this Bears QB that everybody's hoping to push towards starter. Who are the other four Chicago Bears that Ann Heron thinks can help this squad in 2022? We'll find out right after this. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is Anthony Heron. This is 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 